0: Hi guys, this is Jake Parker. Welcome back to another episode of the Beyond Fit podcast, where it's my job to help you apply knowledge that is both scientific and practical into your own life to maximize your physique development and your overall body, as well as your mind. The combination of these two things is what makes you Beyond Fit. All right, guys, this is Jake. Welcome to episode 172 of the Beyond Fit podcast. And this is called What Stage Lifter Are You? And we're going to talk about what this means to you in terms of volume, overtraining, and a couple other things. So when we talk about the stage of lifter that you are, when we talk about how far along you are, you'll often hear me talk about being a beginner lifter, being an intermediate lifter, being an advanced lifter. And these are a little bit subjective, but I think that they can be quantified to some extent. And that's what I'm going to try to do with this podcast. So you can get a better grasp of where you're at with your own training, how much more you still have to improve and stuff like that. So First of all, when I talk about what stage lifter you are, you have to understand that this is in terms of years spent properly weightlifting. So if you have been spinning your wheels, kind of like I talk about how I had for a while, um, and you weren't implementing progressive overload, you didn't really have an understanding of diet, you, don't, uh, you weren't maybe eating a high protein diet, weren't controlling for calories, And again, like I said, weren't doing the right things in the gym as far as maybe your form was very off. Maybe you had no semblance of progressive overload, but you have to count every year of training when it comes to the level that you're at as the time that you've spent really doing mostly the right things, doing 80% of the right things and having an understanding of evidence-based fitness and having a grip On what actually works, not just going and like the average person just kind of doing random stuff. If you've been lifting for a long time, like say 5, 10, 20 years or more or whatever, you definitely have made some progress, but it will still benefit you to kind of look at yourself at least for the first year or so of proper weightlifting as somewhat of a beginner And you are going to be able to see a lot of beginner-type gains if you've never implemented progressive overload, implemented a diet with high protein and controlling for calories and stuff like I talk about uh, being the basis for what you should focus on. So basically, in terms of the years that you've spent properly weightlifting, of course, the first year is spent as a beginner. In the second to fourth year, you're in the immediate to – Sorry, in the intermediate to advanced stage, and then five or six years plus, you can consider yourself an advanced lifter. And some of these stages, you can arrive at sooner based on how big of a focus lifting really is for you. So when I talk about myself, I often refer to myself as a very uh, advanced intermediate lifter, maybe beginning stages of advanced. I have been properly weightlifting since I was about 22. And I am now 25 turning 26 here in about five months. So it has been a good three and a half years of proper weightlifting. And I consider myself, like I said, on the cusp of being an advanced lifter based on my body, based on my numbers. Um, Keep in mind that we're viewing most of this stuff in terms of body composition and how this applies to your training and your physique. This might be look a little bit different if you were strictly into athletics or into powerlifting or something like that. But this sort of information is just to be used in terms of how to, over the long term, better develop your physique and better develop your body. Because that's my main focus with my exercise. Uh, the reason I weightlift. And something you'll also hear me refer to on the podcast is power building. I consider myself more or less a power builder and essentially what that means is you mix elements of powerlifting with bodybuilding hypertrophy type training and the reason that I do that is because over time I want to maximize my hypertrophy training and build the most muscle possible. That's my end goal is to build the most muscle possible, have the most ideal body composition physique possible, but I don't think that that can be accomplished strictly through Following bodybuilding type principles only. The reason that I'll always include some strength, some powerlifting type movements and powerlifting techniques, especially at certain points throughout the year, is because I really want to increase my ability to be able to lift more weight in hypertrophy zones. So, what that means is I might spend a few months every year lifting in the three to five low rep powerlifting range and focusing on increasing my ability to do that. So that when I'm focused on more hypertrophy, eight to 12 plus rep ranges, I can lift more weight more effectively. I'm stronger in that rep range, and therefore I can add more hypertrophy, add more uh, add more muscle that way. Um, I think that anything below three to four reps is when I, you're really focusing on strength and powerlifting. And I usually don't really go there maybe every now and then, but very rarely, probably less than, you know, even once a year for that. But often I'll spend time in the three, four, five, six rep range. And especially for heavy compound lifts, like the deadlift and the squat and bench, a lot of that is exclusively about eight reps or below, um, just because it's so intensive, but the reason, like I said, that I focus a lot on some principles you might see as more strength building, powerlifting, is just because I know that to increase over time, I have to increase my strength. And sometimes the best way to do that and the best way to increase in your hypertrophy rep ranges is to introduce something new and go purely strength based training for a while. Another interesting anecdote that you guys have heard me talk about on the podcast is that the best way I know to increase your rate of muscle gain is to just totally switch up the rep range. So that's one way to almost trick the body into igniting muscle gain. Because if you go from a high rep range, say 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 or more reps... And then you go down to that three, four, five rep range, your body's going to have to adjust to that lower rep range. It's going to be something new to get used to. So you're more likely to gain muscle just from that change in stimulus. Now I don't take this the wrong way and do this every week or every month for the most part, but this is why I, tra- I change mesocycles for myself and for my clients. Because when you change a mesocycle, you can introduce a new focus like this, a new rep range in order to build new muscle and develop in a different capacity. So as far as those years of proper training, let's talk about how much muscle you can expect to gain in every one of these years and how that applies to us. So in your first year of proper training, you can hope to gain upwards of 20 to 25 pounds of muscle. And that's gonna be the bulk of the muscle that you gain. The rates are gonna be a lot slower after that. Your second year, you can expect about 10 to 12 pounds. Your third is gonna be about five to six pounds. And then your fourth year plus, you may be able to gain about two and a half to three pounds of muscle per year. So obviously, that's less than even a quarter pound a month at that point. And the gains are going to be very hard to come by and a lot less noticeable. So when you get to this point, it's a lot more about sticking to the process, sticking to the grind. And you really have to love it at this point. You have to love going and lifting for lifting's sake and love making those really, really small incremental changes and improvements because after the first year or two, the gains slow up a lot. And so if you are someone who's finds that you're comfortable with the gains you make in the first couple of years of proper lifting, you may just want to put things more so on maintenance because if not, if you're going to look to continue to improve, it's going to be something that's going to require a lot of effort and a lot of intensity and a lot of focus So just know that going in and know that even if you put your gains on maintenance to focus on other areas of your life, to focus on other, even just areas of physical fitness, that you can maintain a good amount of muscle and have a lot more muscle than the average person and not have to grind it out and grind it out for diminishing returns over time. Although that's what I love to do. That's what I'm focused on and trying to, I guess, in a way, hack that and shortcut that sometimes just trying to see if I can manipulate my weight manipulate my training so that maybe I can eke out a little bit higher gains than that. And again, like I said, being in about my three and a half mark, uh, year mark that is in terms of proper weightlifting, I'm probably gaining at least somewhat noticeable muscle per month, but it gets to be a grind and you, you start to reach your genetic potential At some point, you start to at least get close to your genetic potential at some point, which is just how much muscle your body frame can really hold. For someone like me, who's pretty naturally ectomorphic and small boned, I really have less of a genetic muscle potential than most people. So yeah, I can definitely gain more muscle than I have now. And I can definitely still see myself gaining muscle. But I know that my genetics are not such that I'm going to ever look like a traditional bodybuilder or someone that you think of in terms of just really elite genetic potential, really elite muscle building genetics. Um, but that's not to say that I still can't look incredible and that I can make incredible leaps and bounds over years, which I already have. So not to discourage anyone, um, just to try to, I guess, get realistic. And a reminder here for women, these rates will be at about half. So about 10 to 12 pounds in the first year of training and subsequently half of those numbers that I mentioned. As far as what this speaks to nutritionally, I think that first and foremost, you have to realize I always hammer calorie deficit, calorie surplus for fat loss or muscle gain. But really, when you enter your first year of training, if you're relatively untrained, if you haven't done a lot of training in the past, or if you have never been remotely close to what we would consider proper weightlifting, you are going to be able to undergo somewhat of a body recomposition, which is gaining muscle and losing fat at the same time. And the way I like to look at it is essentially your body can more or less metabolize the fat on your body to use it for energy. And that accounts for your calorie surplus, the calories that you were storing in your fat in order to gain muscle, put muscle on the body. Um, But what that amounts to is when you're in your first or maybe even second year of training, you can get away with probably not eating in a calorie surplus because your body is going to still be responding to the new stimulus of training. And you're going to be gaining muscle, whether you're in a calorie surplus maintenance, or even a small deficit, you can probably still gain muscle if you're lifting weights in the right way, because the body is built to have a certain amount of muscle and everybody will find that that first 20 pounds or so comes on relatively easily. But once you get past that, it's going to be more important to be in a calorie surplus over time and start paying closer attention to your protein intake and stuff like that. So someone who is a beginner, I would just highly encourage you to go and lift three days a week. Uh, Lift heavy and hard as much so as you can try to make improvements, which will come pretty easily at the beginning and do that until you start to see diminishing returns until you start to really think about more so how to dial in your calories and dial in the specifics of your training, bumping up your training days and stuff like that in terms of calories and calorie surplus intake, when you're trying to gain muscle at that slower rate, when you're in that second, third, fourth, fifth, and so on, year of training. This, to me, speaks to the importance of having a relatively small calorie surplus in order to gain muscle. You really don't need over one or 200 calories, maybe 300 calories in order to grow. Your calorie surplus only has to be really small. Now, I know that this starts to become kind of difficult to calculate. And that's why I don't say that, oh, you strictly have to be at one or 200 calories. Often I'll allow myself for clients to shoot for maybe three or 400 uh, calories above what they think their maintenance is what they've calculated their maintenance to be. Um, But you want to be careful and not to have too much of an excess of calories, because that's just going to lead to unwanted fat gain. And you're going to be adding fat a lot quicker than you're adding muscle mass. So as far as what these strength numbers may look like, and these can vary a lot, these can vary a lot based on body type, And again, genetic predisposition, some people are just more genetically engineered, designed to be strong, to be strong in just certain movements, or to be strong overall. But know that, again, another one of the truisms I always try to hammer home is that you can't divorce muscle gain from strength gain. So over time, if you're gaining strength, you're going to be gaining muscle. And that's especially true when you work in a little bit higher rep range, like above, like I said, that two, three, four, really powerlifting heavy rep range. As long as you're in more of a hypertrophy focus for a majority of the year and you're eating enough that you're still able to gain weight, you're going to be adding muscle whenever you're adding strength. So a few key strength indexes you might want to keep your eye on over time. Um, Most people would be considered at an elite level or at least getting close to an elite level, at least far beyond average. When you can deadlift two and a half times your body weight, squat twice your body weight, bench one and a half times your body weight, and press, that is overhead press, your body weight. So these are strength standards for men. For women, it might look a little bit more like one and a half times your body weight for squat, uh, benching your body weight for bench press, and deadlifting about 1.75 to 2 times your body weight for deadlift. Again, understand that these numbers are very individual and a very clear example for my own lifting is I can deadlift over twice as much as I can squat. So maybe, maybe not quite, but close to about twice as much as I can squat. And that's because my levers are just very favorable for deadlift. So I have really long arms And so with those long arms, I don't have to lift the weight that far off the floor when I deadlift, but because I have long arms and long legs also, it's a really far way for me to get down to or below parallel for a squat. So it's the range of motion just takes has to be taken into account. When you look at how much I'm squatting and deadlifting and benching at the same time with the same impediment of having those long arms. And so that's why, my numbers are going to look a lot different from somebody else's. And maybe if you have more of a stocky build, a traditionally stocky build with short arms, you are not going to be able to deadlift as much compared to most people, but you're going to have a lot higher squat when compared to most people. And this, uh, this goes with a, with a short torso also as well. So keep these numbers in mind, but also realize that they're not the end all be all. And it's going to be a lot different based on what your specific levers are, what your specific body type allows for. Strength numbers are fun to think about and to try to focus on in the long term in the aggregate, but they're not the end all be all. And because I'm speaking in terms of gaining muscle, in terms of optimizing your physique and your body composition, we have to understand that that, that at the end of the day, the weight really is just a tool, even though we are focused on adding strength over time, adding weight to the bar over time, adding reps, getting better with our technique and form. The latter two, the technique and form sometimes can take precedent over just adding weight, over just adding reps, over just trying to get stronger and chase these strength numbers because they can kind of be arbitrary if you're not using good form, if you're not really maximizing the the safety and the utility of the lift. The point is really to get the maximal tension on the muscles. And so if you're doing anything like short chaining yourself in terms of not benching to your chest, not squatting parallel, using bad form in any of these lifts, it's just going to lead to less muscle gained over time, which starts to negate the point of even chasing these strength gain numbers in the first place. So Keep that in mind and realize that lifting weights is, at the end of the day, just contracting the muscles against a force. So something that a lot of us have had to come to terms with and had to kind of wrestle with is how to get a good stimulus from less equipment, um, from body weight stuff and things of that nature if you've had to train at home at all during covid And that's something that I had to deal with for a little bit. And just realizing that switching the tempo, switching the range of motion, switching the way I do an exercise can give me a totally different stimulus. And that can be a form of progressive overload too. So long as you continue to get better over time and challenge yourself more over time. But if you are limited in terms of weight, you can really add just because you're at a home gym or whatever, understand that you can get more tension on the muscle progressively and force the muscles to get stronger over time and exercise their strength in different capacities. And you can really build with without having to just hit that higher squat bench deadlift number and focus on that. So keep that at the front of mind. Uh, another fun number to eventually think about and work up to for guys, and something that I'm working on over the long term is the coveted three, four, five, which is Benching three plates, squatting four plates, and deadlifting five plates. I have done the deadlift again because I said my deadlift is just so much higher than my other lifts because of how my body is proportioned, because of how my levers are. The other two I'm slowly working towards, the squat will take a lot longer. Uh, But keep in mind, and this applies to most of the numbers that I've talked about today, but these are all going to be one rep max numbers. So you can calculate that on any online one rep max calculator even if you do uh, set a heavy set of three to four, which is probably safer than doing a pure one rep max, just doing one rep. Um, but anytime you wanna do that, it, there's there's tons of things online that you can find. Speaking of goals, I think that it's very helpful over time to set yearly goals. I am always setting a yearly goal for a certain lift that I wanna hit. A couple of years ago, it was the 500 pound deadlift. And in 2020, My goal is actually just based around accumulating a certain amount of skeletal muscle mass, which luckily enough, I can measure with a DEXA scan. So that's something that I do frequently. That's something I encourage you to do. If you have access to one of those at your gym, Uh, otherwise at home measures will do progress pictures help a lot, but always set goals and keep them yearly because you're going to go through a couple different mesocycles. So even if you don't hit that, say bench press goal in one mesocycle, knowing that you're going to go and improve more in the next one and that you're going to have the chance to hit it again is something to keep at the front of mind. and something that I find helpful and not just giving yourself a really short term, you know, one, two, three, four month time frame and completing these goals. This year, my goal is to deadlift 410 pounds, but do that raw. So I have been wearing a belt but I know that my grip strength is the thing that holds me back the most in deadlift. So when I say raw, I just want to do that without using any, uh, grip support using straps when I deadlift. So that's what I'm trying to accomplish by the end of this year. Um, let's see here. So we went through goals, what power building is. Another one of my goals in my twenties is to reach 200 pounds and do that under 15% body fat. So I've been 200 pounds before in college, but that was just a lot of beer drinking and eating shitty food, not understanding diet and progressive overload. And so I really wanna reach that 200 pounds, but be muscular and be able to hopefully get to that point and get a lot stronger, add a lot of strength and maximize the muscle that I gain so that you know, it's just always been, it's, an, it's a nice, easy round number. It sounds cool. Reaching two hundred pounds is is obviously a a sexy goal um but that's another thing that keeps me going It keeps me just wanting to add pound after pound after pound of weight, hopefully more more so muscle than fat um, but adding that weight to the scale over time, even though you know I've talked about how that's not the end all be all okay, so two things to kind of tie up on here what does this mean in terms of volume and what are my volume suggestions? And what does this mean in terms of overtraining? So for volume, this is something I've gone back and forth on a lot because traditionally people will cite the numbers, you know, maybe eight to 12 hard sets per muscle group as you're a beginner and then getting closer to that 12 to 15 range as an intermediate and maybe 15 to 20 hard sets as you're an advanced lifter. And I don't think these are bad metrics, but they can definitely be a little bit misleading. For example, anyone who starts out lifting is going to grow from no matter how many hard sets they have per muscle group. So three, four, five, six hard sets per muscle group is going to make you grow if you're a beginner. And on top of that, it's really just more so about progression than anything. So it's easy to express progression over a higher set volume. But I think that it also kind of gives someone a leeway and gives someone an excuse not to lift as hard and intensely. I really want my clients and I want myself to be lifting hard and intense. And often I land on a lower volume just so that can be expressed more. So there's kind of a X curve or X axis. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but hopefully you can picture this where in the middle, uh, like say 50% volume, 50% intensity is the very middle where this X meets. And then the higher volume, the lower you have to have intensity and the higher you have intensity, the lower you have to have volume. So people fall in different parts of, or maybe camps here where some people are more focused on it's volume, volume, volume. Some people are more focused on intensity. I think I've referenced Dorian Yates before, former Mr. Olympia, who was very low volume over the course of his career, but was just going to failure constantly and was very, very intense in his lifting. So if you feel like you can really be one of those people that can push it to a high intensity and push close to failure, which I encourage, then you're going to get away with less volume, even if you are intermediate or advanced. But if you feel like you can tolerate a lot of volume, that feels good to you then feel free to, as you become intermediate, that 12 to 15, advance that 15 to 20 sets per muscle group. Um, you can do that. I've done it before. It's not super enjoyable just because of how much time it takes. And that's another one of the reasons I fall more on the intensity side of the scale. But it's, it's not impossible. It's not out of the realm of possibility. It's not insane by any means. Um, know that when you're counting these hard sets per muscle group, you can count either one half or a full set muscles that are secondary so for the bench press obviously the chest would be a full set every time but you would count either half a set or maybe even a full set based on how you're going to count your volume for the shoulders as well as the triceps too because they're also involved in that lift so volume is one of those kind of tricky things i would recommend you just kind of start lower and know that you can build from there and really try to focus your intensity on going close to failure being intense lifting hard and heavy That's just what I've landed on works better for me. Maybe you're totally different. Different people, again, with different body types and different predispositions, personalities, preferences, all that sort of stuff are going to like different things. But I tend to think that that 15 to 20 is a little bit excessive, even if you're really advanced, because I still think you can make progress through intensity and through pushing the weight up over time. And of course, trying to manipulate range, tempo, decreasing rest, all that type of stuff when appropriate as well. Um, another thing I always like to focus on and tell people with volume is that you don't have to spread your volume equally over all the different body parts. So if you're focused on about 12 hard sets per muscle group, that can be, I like to imagine that that can be kind of picked and put different places in the body. So for me, my chest is really advanced. So maybe instead of doing 12 sets on my chest, I'm going to do 15 uh, on my shoulders or do 18 on my shoulders and only do nine or six on my chest because my chest is already very advanced and is already has enough muscle. Whereas my shoulders, I want to keep improving and keep pushing on, or maybe I, I uh, take three of those sets to my shoulders, three of those sets to my back, or I take, you know, all six of them to my legs or, you know, whatever it ends up being. You can only grow so much at once. So unfortunately, you can't just pound the shit out of your whole body and expect to just grow, 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 because you have to recover. You have to be strategic with how you continue to progress, which can only be done, unfortunately, so much at a time, I guess. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, But point being, I like to focus on specific muscle groups and give them more volume by taking it away from other muscle groups and kind of keeping it in balance that way. So whether you're working on a weak point or just a a body part that you'd like to have bigger, some guys would like to focus on arms, that's fine. Um, Just make sure that you're not overdoing it with volume by increasing it on your arms and keeping it the same everywhere else. If you can tolerate that, that's fine. That's part of knowing your body too. And that's what happens as you become more intermediate and advanced. But for the most part, you're gonna have to take away where you add so keep that in mind as far as overtraining you've heard me talk about the deload before where every say 6 to 10 weeks i will take a week off to train at about 50% of my capacity i might even take a few days to not lift at all i might not even lift the whole week every now and then but typically a deload would just mean 50% of my capacity lifting for a week. So that could either be 50% volume with the same weight or a 50% weight with the same volume, but just allowing your body to catch up on recovery is essentially what a deload lift is uh, a deload week is for deload weeks are not needed until you are an intermediate lifter, because when you're a beginner, the weights are so light that your body is not needing to catch up on recovery. It's not needing an extra recovery. Deload weeks are for intermediate and advanced lifters because you're starting to push past what is normal for your body. You're starting to accumulate an, an amount of muscle mass that is takes more to recover from. And so when you reach that point, you're gonna to have to give more preference, preferential treatment to your recovery. Part of that being these deload weeks. Don't ignore them. They'll catch up to you. Um, I'll go over a few signs for me that I'm overtrained, that I'm ready for a deload week, Um, but just know that they're part of the process. You will not lose your muscle. You will not uh, lose all your progress. In fact, it really helps progress a lot. Anything you can do to maximize your recovery helps with the progress overall. Often, I think that there's too much of a focus on getting in the gym and being that person that prides himself on lifting four or five, six days a week when you don't have your recovery down, which to me just means Focusing on calories, eating enough calories, eating enough protein, getting enough sleep and making sure you're not overdoing things where you're feeling achiness in your joints. You're training often when sore and stuff like that. But uh, overtraining, when I know that I'm overtrained and I'm ready for a deload is when I have a poor appetite, when I have irregular sleep, which can mean either sleeping a lot more than I'm used to or not being able to stay asleep well or waking up a lot earlier than I usually do. Uncharacterist, uncharacteristically low motivation. So if you're always looking forward to going to the gym and there's a couple weeks where you're just really not feeling it, you're feeling like shit. That may be a sign that it's time for a deload and really excessive soreness where it just won't go away. And it seems like a lot more soreness than normal. Those can all be signs of overtraining and that it might be time for a deload or Maybe you don't need a deload. Maybe you're just that beginner or starting to be an intermediate lifter and you don't need that deload, but you just need to pay more attention to your recovery. You need to sleep better. You need to eat better. You need to make sure you're getting high protein. Uh, you need to stop doing stupid things in the gym, like lifting a lot more weight that you can handle. You know better than anybody else what your body needs, but keeping um, an eye on not being overtrained. And keeping an eye on the long-term prog- process, in addition to that, is some of the most important things and some of the, the uh, things I wish I would have focused on earlier in my lifting career. Um, in addition to, like I always say, progression, understanding that more strength leads to more muscle, and the fact that I need to control calories and eat high protein over time in order to get that body that I want, get that body that I desire, uh, the one that we all want, and so I hope that this was helpful. I know that thinking about where I'm at in terms of average lifters and where I can get to over the long term helps me stay engaged and helps me stay motivated. So I hope that you found this useful. If you did, please let me know. I love to hear from my listeners, but uh, if not, then you know pass this along to someone that you think might benefit as well. And we will see you back here Monday for the next episode of Beyond Fit. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. If you would, please take a minute out of your day to review and rate the podcast as well as subscribe. It would really help me out a lot. And if you're on Instagram, go ahead and follow me on there at jakeparker.fit and screenshot and tag me when you're listening to the show i'll be sure to share it and thank you personally on there